0: Hello, and welcome to the Anchor of Beaumont podcast, where we love God and we love people. First, we want to thank you all for listening today. We are so excited about being on multiple platforms, including this one, Anchor FM. But now we are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and TuneIn please listen and share. Writing a review of the podcast helps with exposing our message to new people organically. Now today's show is something many people have been anticipating due to the live stream malfunction we had on Tuesday night. Spencer teaches about the most important type of prayer in his message called the point of prayer. While editing this message I got to hear it for the first time and I think many of you will enjoy it. So let's get into it. Enjoy the show.
1: Part of the week where we take a moment to put a pause on everything else that's going on in our life and refocus ourselves back onto the Word of God. I'm super excited to be a part of this Tuesday's topic. My name is Spencer Records, if you're tuning in here, and I'm one of the ministers here on staff at the Anchor. And Pastor Green has asked me to cover the service tonight, and I'm really super excited. And we even have some people in the audience here tonight, so thank you for being here part of this service and thank you if you're tuning in at home. Uh, I encourage you to have your Bible out and uh, be prepared to maybe go through some scriptures because they won't be displayed on the screen, but I'll try to slow down or give you time where you could turn them, turn to them in your Bibles and follow along with me. And uh, I'm really excited and I'm really grateful and thankful for this opportunity to talk and speak tonight because I really do feel like There is something that God has heavy on my heart to communicate to the Anchor Church family and even to the extended Anchor Church family, those who are tuning in and watching on our social media pages. We did have two prayer requests that were uh, brought to this church, that petitioned this church for prayer. One of the prayer requests was the family of Shane Whitmire, and uh, he has a special need in his life that I believe God can reach down and touch him. His name is Shane Whitmire. And also Sherman West asked us to pray for him for healing. I want to encourage, if if there's anybody here watching and you have a special urgent request in your life, a special urgent need, feel free to type that in the comments. And there are prayer warriors attached to this church, attached to this body. They will see your, your need, your prayer request. If you're a member here at the Anchor and you see a prayer request written in the comments, I encourage you to claim that prayer request and begin to pray over that for that person. Also, if we could pray over these needs, but also if those who are here with me in this audience, it would really comfort me and help me. Uh, if we could pray over this service, over this Bible study, over this lesson here tonight, um, that God will will speak, that our hearts and minds and ears will be open to hear and receive anything and everything that God has wants to say or has to say to us tonight so right where you are if you could just if you could just close your eyes and open your mouth and begin to pray that God will have his way in this service here tonight God we love you so much God Jesus, we praise you, we worship you, and we love you. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for this service, this opportunity that we have here tonight. God, we pray, God, Lord, that you have your complete will. Let it be done in this, in this message, in this service here tonight. Thank you for every person that's here. God, thank you for every person that's tuning in and watching. God, we pray your blessing be upon everything that we do. We want you to be in the middle of everything that we do because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray for all of these needs, God, Lord, that were brought here before this church. We pray for the family, God, of Shane Whitmire. God, we pray you bring comfort to that family, bring strength to that family in the time of need that you be with them. Lord, that you wrap your arms around them, God, that you carry them in your wings, God, that you be with them right there in the moment of their need. Lord, we pray for Sherman West, that there be a healing in his body. God, Lord, that you touch him right where he is. God, that you reach down to him, God, and intervene on his behalf. And we pray for any other needs, God, Lord, that are, that are that somebody watching may have a need in their life, God. We pray that you reach out to them with strength, with comfort, and with peace. In Jesus' name, we pray. And if you're in the house, let me hear you say, "In Jesus' name, Amen." I, I got my Amen corner right here. You gonna hold it down for me, Eric? All right. So I have. I want to read a scripture from 2 Timothy chapter two, starting at verse twenty-three. And uh, I was kind of back and forth about which scripture to open up, but I just really feel drawn to these verses, especially for the past two days, and I'll kind of explain more about why. But it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and starting at verse 23, and I'll read it first from the King James Version, and it says, "...but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes." Verse 24 says, "...and the servant of the Lord must not strive." But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God pre will give them repentance unto the acknowledgement of the truth, in verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And before we look at this in another translation, Focus in on verse 25. The Apostle Paul is speaking about having a heart towards people. And specifically, he's saying people who oppose themselves. All right? Oppose themselves. And I think that that's significant because, you know, when you're bound by sin, the person that you're hurting the most is yourself. More than anybody else. And you actually become your own worst enemy to the fact that you are living your life in a way that you are opposing your best interest. You are an enemy to your own best interest. And the apostle Paul is saying, we've got to have a heart to reach people that are making decisions that are destroying themselves, that are are living their lives in such a way that they're making themselves miserable. And he said, we have to have a heart to reach these types of people. Alright, in verse 26, he says, that they may recover, look, here it is again, themselves. Alright, so they're opposing themselves by the way that they're living, but not only should we reach out to them, but so that, so that they can recover themselves. I love the way that he worded that, out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. There's a word picture being created here in these scriptures, and if you know a story in the Old Testament, there was a, a man named Absalom. Absalom was the son of David, and he actually led a rebellion, a civil war against David, and tried to steal the throne from his father David. But they said this man, was Absalom, was very vain and very conceited about the way he looked, and he had real long, flowy hair. And the Bible says that he was riding his horse... And all of a sudden he rode under a tree and his hair got caught in the branches of the tree. You remember that story? His hair got caught in the branches of the tree. And he literally, his horse ran out from under him and he began to just hang there in that tree, hung by his own prideful self-conceit in that tree. And the Bible says the soldier came over and saw him hanging there in that tree. And then the soldier goes and tells somebody else and says, hey, Guess who I saw hanging in the tree? It's Absalom. And then some men come over and they kill and slay Absalom, hanging in that tree. And so there's a word picture of what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying there are people who have trapped themselves, who are in a snare of the enemy, and they're just hanging there hopeless and helpless and powerless to change their situation like Absalom's hair caught in the tree. They're just hanging there waiting for the enemy to just come and and kill him, wipe him off the mat, do whatever. And he's saying, we have to have a heart for these people, the type of people who live their lives, that they're hurting themselves. So we've got to be able to speak to them and teach them and communicate the gospel to them in such a way that their eyes can be opened and they can see the truth of the word of God and they can literally save themselves from themselves. I want to read this real quick in, in a different translation, the New Living Translation. It says, And again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone to be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. How many of you know it's hard to be patient with difficult people? Amen. But those are the people that you need to be patient with the most. But verse 25, it says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth when they come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. There are people held captive by Satan and by the enemy that they're being held captive, they're in a trap, they're in a snare, and they're literally, the dev- they're in the palm the hands of the devil for him to do whatever they want, whatever he wants with their life. And I feel like, I feel such a strong burden and such a strong heartbeat. And I want to get into this, and I don't want to get a jump ahead of myself here tonight. I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about prayer tonight. There's even a good chance I may be able to speak again next Tuesday on the same topic. But I wanted to start off with these verses, because... There is a point to prayer. There is a point to prayer. And so I want to talk a little bit about what is the point of prayer. And so I I was actually digging through some old notes, and I came across a message preached by my father. Most of his message, most of his sermons were handwritten. It was really, really neat to me because I was looking and reading through his message and the way that he wrote his notes is very similar to the way I write my notes. He writes like, for those of you who can see it, just it look from far away, it just looks like like chicken scratch, you know. It's like you can't, but close up, it, I mean, even close up, it looks like chicken scratch. It looks terrible, you know. But uh, my notes kind of look like chicken scratch too. And so I thought it was pretty interesting. But I came across something he had written about prayer, and there was a poem about prayer, and the poem was t- entitled. Traveling on my knees. And the poem goes like this Last night I took a journey to a land across the seas. I did not go by boat or plane. I traveled on my knees. I saw so many people there in the deepest depths of sin. But Jesus told me I should go, that there were souls to win. But I said, Jesus, I cannot go and work with such as these. He answered quickly, Yes, you can, by traveling on your knees. He said, you pray and I'll meet the need. You call and I will hear. Be concerned about lost souls of those both far and near. So I tried it, knelt in prayer, gave up some hours of ease. I felt the Lord right by my side while traveling on my knees. I prayed on and saw souls saved and twisted bodies healed. I saw God's workers' strength renewed while laboring on the field. I said, yes, Lord, I have a job, my desire to do thy will to please. I can go and heed thy call by traveling on my knees. And I just thought that was such an incredible poem, that we have such an incredible power to make such an incredible difference in the world. And we don't even have to leave the comfort of our home but we can go places in prayer. We can accomplish things in prayer greater than we ever could in any other manner. So I want to talk about prayer, but not just prayer, because there's, there's a million and a half sermons, a million and a half directions. You can go speaking about prayer. But I want to talk about a certain aspect of prayer that I believe is often overlooked and often neglected. As you know, if you've been in church any length of time, you know there's many different types of prayers. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, he said, I exhort thee, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and of giving of thanks be made for all men. And so even here, he lists many different types of prayers. He says, make prayers and prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of praise. You know, there's even a worship in type of prayer. He says, there's supplications and there's petitions. And he begins to list all of these things. And so uh, prayer at, at its most basic definition is simply talking to God. It's your everyday relationship with Jesus. It's the foundation of your friendship with God. And many times if you live a, a habit, a life of prayer, you know that there are some times when you pray, you really don't feel very much at all. Anybody ever prayed and not felt anything? We all have those moments. There's there's times when you pray that you may not even may not even speak in tongues, you you know? You may not even weep, you may not even shed a tear, but it's just a life of prayer. There's different types of prayer and each type of prayer is appropriate in the appropriate settings and sometimes it, My most meaningful prayers with God have just been when I just sat there and talked to God as if he was sitting in the chair across from me in the room and I just talked with him in a conversational manner. And there's all kind of different ways to pray. Uh, you know, there's, there's petitional prayer, which you literally say, God, I, I need this. I need this. I got bills to pay. I, I need food in the fridge. I need to put, be able to put gas in my car. And you're literally making your petitions known to God saying, God, help me in this area. You're making your requests known to God. That's a petitional prayer. There's supplication prayer. There's, there's bringing, urgent needs to God you know there's maybe maybe there's a sickness in in your family or maybe there's you know something that has urgency and you're bringing your supplications before God and there's prayers of thanksgiving prayers of praise and all of there's all kind of different prayers and we could you could spend a whole lesson on just the different types of prayers and what they entitle and, and what they what they're all about but there is one type of prayer there's one type of prayer. That is not mentioned as much as the others, and it's not practiced as much as the others, but it's oh so important and oh so crucial. And the Bible uses a certain word for this type of prayer called intercessor, intercessory prayer. And in the Greek, intercessor means to to intervene between two parties in order to bring them together. If you're an intercessor, you literally are an in-between connecting point that connects two other points together. An intercessor is someone or something that gives you access to places that you could not get to on your own. An intercessor stands in the gap. It becomes a bridge. And when God desired to bring salvation to humanity... God looked for a pathway. He says, all right, I've got salvation up here in heaven, but how do I get what I've got up in heaven down there on earth for the people he looked for a pathway from heaven to earth and God looked for an intercessor someone to be the bridge that he needed and Isaiah talks about this in chapter 59 he says that God looked for an intercessor and he saw there was no intercessor he looked for a man to be a bridge to be a to be someone who stood in the gap he couldn't find any man so since he couldn't find any man that he couldn't find an intercessor he said you know know what? I'll become that intercessor. I can't find a man who will stand in the gap. Therefore, I'll become a man and I'll be the one who stands in the gap. So God left his heavenly throne and he came to where we are in order to become our intercessor, to bring us to where he was. That's why Jesus could stand and proclaim. He says, I am the way. I'm the way. No man can get to the Father, but through me. I'm the road. I'm the pathway. I'm the bridge. And Jesus paid the price to pave the road from heaven to earth. And now because of what Jesus Christ did, I now have access to, and you now have access to somewhere we could never get to on our own. With our own power, by our own goodness, by our own righteousness, by our own works. No, it could never be good enough, but Jesus stood in the gap for me, and Jesus stood in the gap for you. He interceded for me. You see, it wasn't happenstance that when Jesus was suspended up in the air above the ground, he literally was was hanging on that cross between heaven and earth, because in that moment he was hanging on the cross. He was literally becoming a bridge between heaven and earth. See, Jesus came to be an intercessor, And he paved a path by dying on the cross. And that road is already complete. It's already finished. And Jesus isn't here anymore. He's not here in body. Because he he accomplished what he came to do. He hung on the cross. He says, it is finished. The work is done. I've done what I came here to do. However, one of my favorite scriptures about prayer and about intercession is from Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Verse 25. And I, I love so much Pastor's series that he taught on the book of Hebrews. And, and it, it was absolutely incredible. But there's a verse in there that says that Jesus is able to save those who are in the uttermost. That come unto God by him. Seeing that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for them. So Jesus isn't here anymore. He's not here in body. But yet he still liveth. To make intercession for who? For those who are in the uttermost. For those who are the farthest away from God. Jesus is still interceding for them. For those who you think could never be saved, Jesus says, I'm still interceding for them. For those you think you have been too far gone for too long and done too much with too many people, Jesus says, I don't care how far away you are. I'm still praying for you. I'm still reaching for you. I'm still, I'm still interceding for you. And so my question is, if Jesus isn't here actually praying for you in person, then how is Jesus still somewhere in the heavenlies interceding for every lost person? You see, Jesus Christ came and paid the path on the cross. Then why is he still interceding? Why, it, why is he ever living to intercede? Because there's still people he's trying to reach. And he's not here in body, but he is here in the Spirit. And through the Spirit, Jesus is still trying to reach every lost person. Because the Bible says he is not willing that any should perish. It is not his desire. It is not part of his plan. It was never part of God's original purpose and plan to ever send one person to hell. You know why? Because the the Bible says in Isaiah that hell it has to enlarge itself to make room. So that means when God originally created hell, that means he said he created with a certain dimension, certain size, and it was never created to, to have all the influx of people that are going to be coming. So it's literally got to stretch and grow to make room for more people. In fact, the book of Revelation says that God has prepared a place for Satan and his angels. He didn't say this place has been prepared for sinners. It was never prepared. God never does, never intended for one person to go to hell. It's his heartbeat. It's his desire that every single person be saved. In fact, if you study the dimensions of the city of New Jerusalem in the book of Revelations, go and study the dimensions. It literally gives the dimensions, and you can literally measure it in square miles. And they studied that... The new Jerusalem city is so big that it has enough room for every single person who is not only alive today, but who has ever lived could fit in that city. That means that city, there is a place for you in that city that nobody else can fill. There is a place for me in that city that nobody else could fill. Because it was created for you to go there. And there's room for you in that city but Jesus Christ is still interceding. He just does it in a different way. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul hints at this in Romans chapter 8 where he says the Spirit helps us when we are weak for sometimes we don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit that is inside of us will literally begin to intercede through us and will begin to pray things that we don't even have understanding of, we don't even have comprehension of. But it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ praying through us for a lost and dying world. You see, when we pray, Jesus is the intercessor who through the Spirit begins to pray through us and begins to intercede through us. And Jesus is still interceding. But today, He doesn't do it in person. He does it through the prayers of the saints that Jesus Christ literally wants to pray through you. See, in the modern church, intercessory prayer is probably the least practiced type of prayer because because out of all the types of prayer, intercessory prayer usually demands the most from you. Because intercessory prayer demands that you yield your flesh to the Spirit of God, to the Holy Ghost inside of you to begin to pray through you. And the power of intercession is that when you pray intercessory type prayers, you are never praying for yourself. But you're always praying for someone else. And so when you intercede, you're literally standing in the gap and you become the in-between, the medium, the pathway, the roadway, the connecting point between some lost person and and a heart of a loving God that is trying to reach that lost person. And when you intercede for those, you pray for those who can't pray for themselves. And when you intercede, you create a pathway in the Holy Ghost for someone to get somewhere they could never have gotten on their own. And when you intercede, you pay the price to pay the path for somebody else to get to Jesus. So I said all that to say this, to get to my main point. If you're distracted right now, I want you to pause and I want you to focus in for the next 30 seconds of what I'm going to say. If we are not careful, we can create a prayer culture that is more centered around the needs of the church and not a burden for the lost. There's many different types of prayer. And there's times when we need to bring our needs to God, when we bring our requests to God. But if we're not careful, our prayer life will literally be consumed by, God, I need this from you. God, I need that from you. God, meet this need. God, meet that need. And is there room in our prayer lives for the lost? How much room do you have in your prayer life for the harvest? In all of our praying, we can't forget the point of prayer and the purpose of prayer. Because guess what? Prayer is not designed for you to change God's mind. God, I I need you to do this in my situation. And God said, oh, well, I guess you changed my mind about it. I'll go ahead and do it. And there are times that God's mind will change because of prayer. But that's not the primary purpose of prayer. The primary purpose of prayer is not to change God. The primary purpose of prayer is to change us because prayer there should be something about prayer that says god god get a hold of my heart and literally it says god come and give me your heart god. god god jesus christ the heart of jesus christ let me give the heart of jesus christ for a lost and dying world god if there are things that break your heart god let those things break my heart god if there are things that you want to do in the world let me let me give me your passion give me your heart give me your desire God. And it's about changing me. It's about changing our hearts. It's about changing the way we think about a situation. It's about having the heart of Jesus. And read through the the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus's heart is always towards the lost. That's why when he looks at somebody who's sick, it says he's moved with compassion as if he can't even help himself he's got to minister to somebody with a need it's, he's go through and study the prayers of Jesus and, and find out how many times Jesus prayed for himself or how many times was his prayer directed towards a lost in a dying world because the heart of Jesus is always towards the lost. And praying should create in us a heart for people and a heart for the lost. If not, then maybe we're missing the point of prayer. The point of prayer is the purpose of the church. And what is the purpose of the church? Is that the church does not exist for the church. The church is the only organization that exists on planet earth that exists solely for its non-members. The church exists for the people who are not a part of the church. The church doesn't exist for, for holy, sanctified saints. The church exists for dirty, rotten sinners. See, the church exists for the lost. The church is designed, is meant to be a bridge between a loving God and a dying world. And it's so easy as a church to become inward-focused and to structure the church around pleasing the members, but there's nothing wrong with praying for things that are happening in your life. There's nothing wrong with bringing your needs before God. There's nothing wrong with making your requests known before God. But is there? But what about praying prayers for the lost to be saved? It's okay to pray for prayer, uh, provision and protection, but what about praying prayers for the lost to be saved? It's okay to pray for your family, but what about families that are lost? It's okay to pray for your marriage, but what about marriages of people that are lost? And it's so easy to become self-centered in our prayer lives. And it's easy to become self-centered in our religion. And it's easy to become self-centered in our theology. And many people have great theology, but no heart for the lost. Many people can quote scriptures and still have no heart for the lost. You see, it's one thing to know that Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse three, he said, I tell you, but unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. It's one thing to be able to quote that scripture and say, oh yeah, Jesus said unless you repent, you're going to die and go to hell. But it's another thing to begin to say, oh my goodness, unless they they repent, they're not going to be saved. God, get a hold of their heart. And that's when theology has got to become more than just head knowledge. That yes, I can't just know what the scripture says, but God, where's my heart that breaks for the lost, for the people who aren't getting it, for the people who haven't repented And us as apostolics and Pentecostals who believe, who believe in the new birth and believe in being born again, we love to quote scriptures like John 3 and 5 that say, unless a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And we love to quote those scriptures and we're, we're prideful about those scriptures and, and and all of these, and all of these things. And we love to quote them. But when's the last time that you wept for John 3 and 5? When's the last time you said, Oh my goodness. Unless they're born of the water and the spirit, they won't Be able to enter the kingdom of heaven and you begin to pray, God, let them see their need to be born again. Let them see the need to be born of the water and the need to be born of the spirit. God, let it not just be a scripture that I know in my head, but let it get a hold of my heart and let my heart break for the lost, God. And let my theology be not just theology and let it not just be head knowledge, God, but let it push and propel me to begin to pray and begin to pray for a lost and a dying world. It's one thing to know somebody who's not going to be born again will die, but it's another thing to be broken because somebody who's not born again is, not, is, is going to loss lost if they die. Are all of your prayers focused on your own needs? Or is there room in your prayer life for the harvest? Is there room in your prayer life for the harvest? And that is the question, ladies and gentlemen, that I felt so strong as I was praying today, over this, this lesson, and I feel like God is asking, and of all the craziness that's happening, and of all, all, all the things that are going on in the world right now, and of all the distractions out of everything, I feel like what God is saying, he's saying, is there room in your life for the harvest? Are you so about all the other business that's going on in the world that yet you've neglected to be about the Father's business? And through everything that's going on in the world, all of the craziness, the mission of the church must remain the same. And I feel like God is saying, with all with all the quarantining and all the this isolation and all the businesses shut down and all the people who are lost, out of, don't have a job and, and don't know how they're going to make next month's rent, all of this stuff, I feel like God is saying, okay, 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 I know all of that craziness is happening. I know you don't know what, what tomorrow holds, but I'm asking you, is there room in your life for the harvest? Is there room in your life for the loss? Is there room in your life for the, for, for you may be worried, you may be so concerned about the affairs going on in your home, but maybe God is saying, hey, take a break and push the pause button on that and look at the neighbor across the street. Maybe I am wanted to turn your attention to them. Maybe there's a need that you can reach out to them. Is there room in your life for the harvest? I'm fully convinced that no one will ever be saved unless someone prays for them. I'm fully convinced that every single person that's saved today is a beneficiary of someone else's prayers. Whose prayers are the reason? You came to Jesus. Whose prayers built a path from you to the cross? Was it a grandparent? Was it a pastor? Was it a parent? The truth is, for many of us, we'll never know whose prayers were the catalyst, the tipping point that brought us to Jesus. Because behind the scenes, somewhere in a prayer closet, when no one was watching, somebody was praying for you, and somebody was interceding for you without your knowledge and, and without you knowing, and they began to pray in the Holy Ghost for you. And if that is true, if no one can be saved unless somebody's prayed for them, the opposite must be true also. That means there there may be some people who will never be saved solely because. No one prayed for them, not because they didn't want to be saved, not because they didn't want to live for God, but because nobody prayed for them. And there are some people who will never be saved because nobody prayed for them. God looked down in the earth in the Old Testament, and he saw there was no intercessor. There was no one to stand in the gap. So my question to you today, and for those who are watching, those who are tuning in, Whose salvation right now in this moment could be dependent on your prayers? Whose path to the cross is still waiting to be paved by your prayers? There's, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill, if I remember, there's a quote he says. He says, God doesn't care until we care. If that's not true, then why do whole cities lay waste and nobody there is saved until somebody begins to pray? God doesn't care. Until we care. And I believe that one praying man, one praying man will always stand as a majority in God's eyes. And I'm thankful for an incredible church and incredible, incredible programs. And we have awesome things going on here at the Anchor. But good music affects men. But prayer affects God. And, and, and we have a lot of talent here. But talent affects time. But prayer affects eternity. And it may not be today, and it may not even be tomorrow, but somebody somewhere at some point in time will benefit from your prayers. And when God sets out to do something, before he takes a step, before he makes a move, he first looks for an intercessor. He says, I've got something up here in heaven, but I want to bring it down to earth. And he says, I need to find somebody to stand in the gap, to be a bridge, to bring what I want in heaven And birth it in the earth. See, I don't want to be a preacher who happens to pray. I want to be a prayer who happens to preach. If there was a hell's most wanted list, I promise you the top ten would not be preachers. They will be prayers. If we fail when it comes to the subject of prayer, specifically praying for the lost, then we failed in every way and in every area. Because we want, we want to pack this building out when, when we can do so safely, right? With, without fear of a virus. We want to pack this building out. We want to build a big crowd. But we don't want to just build crowds. Anybody can draw a crowd. We want to get a hold of, we want Jesus Christ to get a hold of people's hearts. And you can, you can have the best music in town. You can have the best program in town. You can have the best facilities in town. You can draw a big crowd. It's easy to draw a big crowd. But at the end of the day, if we're going to really reach people's hearts for the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not going to come through great programs or great buildings or great facilities. It's got to come from people who say, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. It's by the Holy Spirit, God, that we're able to reach the lost. It's not just a matter of knowledge that we can just say, hey, it's a divine revelation. It's a supernatural unveiling that has to happen in the heart of somebody for them to, for the lies, the scales to fall off their eyes. Because the Bible says that it is the princes of this world have blinded people so that they can't see the truth. It's a spiritual fight that we have to fight. And if we fail in the subject of prayer, then we failed in every way and in every area. Last night I was sitting in my room, it was pretty late and I heard something out of my window. I have a, a backyard, and I have a chain-link fence around my backyard. It sounded like something was bumping into the chain-link fence outside. And you know, I look out, my window is dark. I don't see anything, but I hear it several more times. And finally, I walk outside in my backyard. There was a dog in my backyard, some random stray dog. And at first, you know, it looked like a coyote or something. I was like, what in the world? And I had a flashlight. I just watched the dog. And it was the most peculiar thing. There's an entrance to my backyard on one, one side of the gate, but he was on the opposite end of my backyard, and he was trying to walk into the gate. And he would walk, and he would he'd bump into the he'd run right into the gate. He'd walk down the other side and, and walk into the gate and walk down, and he kept running, into, and then he would try to climb the gate, the fence, and he kept. And I watched that dog for a while, and I said, What is this? Is this dog, you know, slow? something wrong with this dog mentally, you know? So I watched watched this dog for a while, and then as I walked up closer to the dog, I realized this dog is blind. And somehow or another, this stray random dog walked into my backyard through the gate and got stuck in my backyard and just began to walk around and would walk literally into the gate trying to get out and couldn't get out. And by the time I realized what was happening, I was thinking, how did a blind dog get in my backyard? I'm trying to figure out how, why God always lets these animals come to me. It's like, I feel like I'm a Dr. Doolittle or something. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> For those of you who know my history, i got a lot of history with animals. This blind dog. So I literally had to, you know, pet the dog to make him you know, realize he could trust me. And then I, and I had to use my voice to get it to follow me out of my yard because it was stuck. And I was praying today about this message, and I felt like God reminded me of that blind dog, that was trying to get out of the fence and couldn't. Everything it tried, it wouldn't work, and it just kept running into the fence, running into the fence, and it would try to climb the fence, and it just couldn't get out because it couldn't see. I felt like God just like kind of downloaded, just kind of spoke to me real soft, and He said, "That's how some people are. The enemy of this world." Satan has blinded them. And they don't want to be in the situation that they're in. They don't want to be stuck in the trap that they're in. And they're trying to find a way out. But every ounce of effort they put into getting out of the trap and the snare that they're in, they just keep running into walls, just keep running into walls. And I began to pray, God, I pray for people that I come into contact with on a daily basis, Lord, who are just like that blind dog who want to get out of the situation they're in, but they can't because they can't see because they're blind blinded. And because they're blind and they can't see the truth, they don't know how to get out of the situation that they're in. And I begin to pray, God, if there's any people that live in my neighborhood who are just like that dog who are blind, God, give me sensitivity to be to lead me to those people. God, that, that, Lord, help me not to be so busy with my life and so busy with COVID-19 and so busy with paying the bills and so busy with everything else, God, that I don't make room in my life For the harvest, God. Let there be room in my heart for the harvest. Let there be room in my prayer life for the harvest. Yeah, I've got needs I should need to pray over. Yeah, I've got, I've got worries about what tomorrow's gonna hold. Yes, I've got fears about how to pay bills and all the things like everybody else right now. But I feel like God is saying, do you have room for, for my business, for my heartbeat, for what I'm hurt? Yeah, you're worried about things, but God is saying, I'm worried about things too. And is there room in our life for the harvest? Is there room for what God is doing? We're all connected to people who are just like that dog. Just like the scripture that we opened up there. They're opposing themselves and they're trying to recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy. But they can't get out of the situation that they're in because they're blind. I pray God will speak to you, somebody in your life right now that he wants to reach, that maybe you've been so busy and so preoccupied that you haven't even taken a moment to stop and maybe pray for that person. But I pray God puts somebody in your heart and your mind right now and says, hey, I'm trying to reach this person. Don't be so distracted by everything going on in your life that that you neglect to be about the Father's business, God. But help us be about the Father's business, God. Give us hearts for the lost. Give us heart for people who are blind. Give us heart for people who are bound by drugs. Give us heart for people, God, Lord, whose marriages are just falling apart, God. Give us heart for people who are broken. Give us heart for people who are wounded. Give us hearts for people, God, Lord. Help us not to be so consumed with with putting on a good program, putting on a good show, putting on a good everything, and everything that we neglect to be about the Father's business, God. Lord, but help us, God, to make room in our life to say, all right, this has been taking up my focus for too long. I'm moving it out of my out of my mind. This has been distracting me for too long. I'm making room in my life for the harvest, God. I'm making room in my life, or maybe maybe you'll lead me to somebody, God. And is there room in your life for the harvest? See you right now we're in a season of harvest, even though we're in a season of a virus. And it's kind of put the brakes and put the pause on a lot of things that we wanted to do right now. But we are still marching ahead with the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is to be a bridge, to be a bridge between sinners and between a loving God. And you see, we, we did a baptism Sunday and, and pastor taught a series on baptism. And why would you teach a series on baptism when, when we're quarantined? Why? Because we're, we're going ahead with the mission of the church. And we believe that in the darkest times, God's light will shine the brightest. And we did a series on baptism and we have over 10 people baptized throughout that series. And it may have been even more than that. I didn't get an accurate count. But right now we're transitioning from focus of baptism and we're transitioning in the focus of the Holy Ghost. Because right around the corner is is Pentecost Sunday. And we're believing that God is going to fill many people with the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday. And we're marching ahead with the mission of the church. And I challenge every person that's watching. I challenge every person that's tuning in. Don't get distracted by everything that's going on. But stay focused on the mission of the church. And we're here. And we're still going to win the lost. We're still going to preach the gospel. And I want you to be engaged with what God is wanting to to do and we may be fighting government regulations and, and everything else, but the mission of the church, the mission of the the gates of hell will not prevail against what God is wanting to do in the church. And I want to give you homework. I want to give you homework. If you're watching this, I want to give you homework. And every single day that you pray, every single moment that you pray, I want you to, number one, I want you to pray for the lost. And and on second, not only pray for the lost, every single time that you pray, pray for our pastor. Every single time, every single time you pray, pray for our pastor. And I was praying for our pastor one day and I felt the Lord speak to me and he said, prayerless pews make powerless pulpits. Prayerless pews make powerless pulpits. Church, there should never be a Sunday that comes and that goes where we don't uphold and pray for our pastor. And we don't pray for the ministry. And we don't pray for the preached word. We should pray that the pulpit be unfettered. We should pray that there be freedom to minister. We pray that there will be anointing upon the man of God to speak the word of God. And we should pray that the word of God goes forth, that nothing will hold it back and nothing will hinder it. We've got to be about the business of the Father. And if ever a sinner makes their way to this altar... And if ever a sin-bound individual makes their ways to, this, to these steps to pray, let them be met with the prayers of the saints. Let there be so many prayers of the saints bottled up that when somebody comes for salvation, all the prayer God just pours out like a bottle, pouring out all the prayers of the saints upon them. And literally whatever deliverance they need, whatever breakthrough they need, whatever healing they need happens in a supernatural spiritual way. I challenge you to pray for the lost. And I challenge you to pray for your pastor. And I challenge you to pray. Because guess what? The word of God, the preached word of God is going forth. Like never before, and there was a couple that was baptized a Sunday or two ago. They weren't here in a service listening to the message; they were watching it on video on Facebook. And so, when you pray for your our pastor to preach the word of God, you're not just praying for the people who are going to be listening in the building. You're praying, God. You can pray, God. Let the let the let the sermon go on the timeline of exactly the right person that needs to see it at the right time. Let let the person hear the exact message who may not even be in the city. May not even be in the state, may not even be in the country, but let there be a, let there be the word of God reach through like a fire through whatever screen they're watching and get a hold of their heart and let there be a harvest. Let there be a harvest. Let there be a harvest. God, let there be a harvest. There is a gospel that is so much bigger than the anchor of Beaumont. There is a message that is so much bigger than this building, these four walls. And when you pray for the lost and you pray for our pastor, you're praying for the message to go so much further. You're praying and you're traveling on your knees. You know, if you're you're watching wherever you're watching, if it's appropriate, I want you just to close your eyes, and I want you to say out loud, God, God, I make room in my life for the harvest. God, I clear out space. God, reveal to me the things that have been taking up too much space in my life and in my mind, God. And I clear them out, God, and I make room for you, God, God. God, if you're wanting to do something and you're wanting to speak something that I've been missing because I've been distracted, God, Lord, I, I, I make room for you to speak so I can hear. God, if I've been listening to too many voices, maybe the news, maybe the media, God, that I've been missing your voice, God, I make room right now for you to speak to me, God. Lord, and I, and I want you to ask God to, to begin to speak to you of who to pray for. God, show me who I should pray for, show me who is hungry. Show me who who is who is wanting the gospel, God, and lay some some soul on my heart for me to pray for. Lord, it may be my neighbor. It may be somebody in my family. Or it may be somebody I don't even know that I could meet on the street tomorrow. God, but lay somebody on my heart to pray for. And I want you to say, God, God, clear out my schedule, clear out my time for me to pay attention to what you are doing. And I believe God will begin to lead you in honor that prayer. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to close right now with a a story. I found him, for those of you who are at the beginning of my father's sermon, he has a newspaper clipping stapled to his his notes, uh, which is totally something I would do, absolutely, it's funny. But this is from a newspaper article, and it's a story from the year 1968. It was uh, during the Revolutionary War time period. And uh, here's the story. It says that during the Revolutionary War, there lived in Pennsylvania a pastor by the name of Peter Miller. And although Miller was greatly loved by everyone in the community, there was one man who lived near the church who hated him and had earned a reputation for his abuse of the minister. This man not only hated the church, but also turned out that this man was a traitor to his country. And this man was arrested and convicted of treason and sentenced to death. The trial was conducted in Philadelphia, and no sooner did Pastor Miller hear of it that he set out on foot and walked to visit General Washington himself, and he interceded for the man's life. But Washington told him, I'm sorry that I cannot grant your request for your friend. Friend, Pastor Miller replied, why that man is my worst enemy I have in the world. What? General Washington exclaimed in surprise. Have you walked 60 miles to save the life of an enemy? That, in my judgment, puts the matter in a different light. I will grant him a pardon for your sake. And that pardon was made out and signed by General Washington himself. And Pastor Miller proceeded at once to again walk on foot to a place 15 miles distant where the execution was scheduled to take place that afternoon. Pastor Miller arrived just as the man was being carried to the scaffold. And when he saw Pastor Miller Hurrying toward the place, he remarked, There's old Peter Miller. He's walked all the way from Ephrafra, which was the city, to have his revenge gratified today by seeing me hung to die. But scarcely had the words been spoken when Pastor Miller pushed his way through the condemned man to the condemned man and handed him the pardon that saved his life. And the story is captioned titled, Saved by His Worst Enemy. Saved by His Worst Enemy. And I thought that that was a beautiful story. But I want to close with this. There may be somebody in your life that's your worst enemy. But I think God is asking us to intercede for everyone, even if they're our worst enemy. Because they not They may not realize it or not, but they're blinded, and they can't see the truth. And they're in a trap, and they're in a snare. They're trying to get out. And we have to be sensitive and soft and tender enough to not only pray for people we like, but to pray for our enemies. Pray for people. That person who always comments on your Facebook post that just drives you up a wall, why don't you pray for that person? Pray for that person. Thank you so much for watching. And thank you so much for your faithfulness in tithes and offering and in giving. And thank you so much for your faithfulness to God, to the heart of God, and to the things of God. And thank you so much for tuning in and watching. And for those who are here in this service today, thank you so much for being a part of this service. And uh, God bless you as they go about your week. Remember, you are the hands, you are the feet of Jesus. Let's be about the Father's business. In Jesus' name, God bless you.
0: On behalf of everyone here at The Anchor, we want to thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this message, there are a few things that you can do. Share this podcast on Facebook or send it directly to your friends. Also, please leave a review on any platform that you're listening from. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Send us a message. We'll get right back to you. We're happy to help you in any way that we can. See you next week.